All right, good morning. It's great to see you once again here at Hope and Anchor Church. I am thankful that we get to open God's Word and continue learning, growing, becoming, and uh, we get to be fellow travelers in that, that adventure. So uh, today we are continuing in our Imprint 2022 series. This is a learning adventure, a study on the classical Christian spiritual disciplines, and this is week four. And today we're going to turn our attention to scripture study and meditation, primarily scripture study, but as part of a two-part scripture study and meditation. Next time we'll talk about meditation more uh, specifically. However, I want to start with this. Each week, with an asterisk, most weeks, <laughs> I want to try to do it every week, but you never know. Uh, I want to I really zero in or hone in on a big idea, something that you can take from what we talk about and carry with you throughout the week so that if, if someone hypothetically were to ask, hey, what did you learn about on, at church on Sunday? You might remember this big idea, this one statement that I'll come back to several times throughout our lesson uh, that hopefully you'll kind of internalize. Here is what we know. This is our big idea for today. Here is what we know. The life in Christ is about change and transformation. We desire to be changed and God desires to change us. This is very good news, isn't it? We desire to be changed, and God desires to change us. God desires to grow us to become more like Jesus. And He has provided the means by which to do it. For me, that's pretty reassuring. God's not just like, you know, sitting on a cloud somewhere like, do it. Do it. You better be like Jesus and figure it out, dummy. You know, sometimes we kind of get this idea that God's like holding us up to some measure and seeing if we pass or fail, saying, you know, be like Jesus. But no, Jesus is the way that God has said, hey, I want to help you in this. Sending the Holy Spirit, God says, I want to help you become more like Jesus. Now, what means has God given us so that we might be changed more like Jesus? Well, God has given us the Bible. God has given us the Bible, which is enlivened by the Holy Spirit as the primary catalyst for that change, that change which both we and God desire in our lives. The Scriptures, the Bible. No spiritual discipline is more foundational than the study and meditation upon Scripture. Do you hear what I said there? No, there's a reason we're beginning with Scripture. Because no spiritual discipline is more foundational than the study on and the meditation of Scripture. Nothing is more crucial and nothing can substitute for it. You cannot press into any of the other spiritual disciplines, even prayer, if you are not firmly grounded in Scripture. If you're not starting from a place of God's primary way that He's told us about Himself in Scripture. Otherwise, you get off onto your own agenda, your own priorities, your own desires, rather than having those corrected and directed by Scripture. So, nothing is more crucial than Scripture study and meditation, and nothing can substitute for it. As Donald Whitney explains... Regardless of how busy we become with all things Christian, we must remember that the most transforming practice available to us is the disciplined intake of Scripture. 
That's where we must begin. That is where we must continue. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from, drum roll please, Scripture. Was that exciting? Yeah, multimedia right there. But it's true. There is no healthy Christian life apart from Scripture. And there's an irony in here because a lot of Christians say they belong to Jesus, say they're following after Jesus, yet they really daily neglect time in the Word. They'll get to the Bible if they have time or if they get a chance. They don't see that as the primary way in which they are to grow and to understand what it means to be like Jesus. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from Scripture. Now, in the Bible, why is Scripture so primary, so critical to our growth in Christ-likeness? Well, get this. In the Bible, God tells us about Himself. What we know about God, we, just, we found out from Scripture, right? Uh, God tells us about Himself and about Jesus, who is called the Word made flesh. Scripture is a primary means of God's revelation, what do I mean when I say revelation? Do I mean the weird book at the end of the Bible? Well, no, not really. What I mean is uh, revelation means to, to, to lift the curtain or to pull the lid off of something that's previously been uh, concealed or not seen. He reveals it to us, and one of the primary ways He's revealed Himself and His redemptive plan and creation through Christ is in Scripture. We didn't intuit this. We didn't come across this through conversation. It came through Scripture. This is the primary, a primary means of God's revelation. The Bible proclaims the gospel, the good news, which is the story of our sin and the story of our Savior and the story of the salvation that He afforded us through His finished work of atonement. In Scripture, we learn the ways and the will of God and we discover how to live, a, to live in such a way that pleases Him. Because that's a deep need in us, right? To know that the one who made us is pleased with us. That's a deep need in us humans. And in Scripture, we learn how to do such a thing. In the Bible, we encounter the grand narrative of redemptive history and how we can, through faith in Jesus Christ, be reconciled to God, our Maker. We find ourselves in Scripture, we find the story of how we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ, and then we are sent out into the world to participate in His healing and saving mission. So by faith in Jesus, not only are we rescued and redeemed, reconciled to God, but then we are invited to participate as we are sent out to be God's people in the world, announcing, proclaiming, bearing witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. If we would know God, if we would ever become like Jesus, then we must know Scripture intimately. We must know Scripture. We must allow Scripture to shape our worldview if we are to ever be truly free. Richard Foster helps us here. He says, Jesus made, made it unmistakably clear that the knowledge of truth will set us free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, Jesus says in John 8, 32. Good feelings will not set us will not free us. Good, good feelings will not free us. Ecstatic experiences will not free us. Without a knowledge of the truth, we will not be free. So try as you might. Try all the other things. Focus on the other spiritual disciplines because they sound, seem a little more attractive or interesting. Neglect Scripture, and you will never end up 
embracing the truth, centering your life around God's revealed truth and discovering that freedom that Christ offers us says, hey, in this truth, you will find freedom. Well, we have to go to Scripture for that. So, what is Scripture study and Scripture meditation? Well, our definition for Scripture study and meditation is giving Scripture our full attention and embracing its teachings. Okay, simple enough, right? Giving Scripture our full attention and taking it a step further, embracing its teachings, centering our lives, shaping our life around what we find there, incorporating the truth of God's Word into our life, into our, our culture, into our context, and seeking daily to live that out. Giving Scripture our full attention and embracing its teaching. It's like James says in his letter, it's being hearers of the Word and what? Doers of it as well. We hear it and then we do it. We hear it and then we put it into practice in our lives. Scripture study and scripture, scripture meditation are not the same thing. Did you know that? Scripture study and scripture meditation are not the same thing. Well, I'm going to give you a running list of analogies here, or maybe uh, imperfect comparisons or contrasts, okay? Study is more analytical, involving your head, your brain, right? While meditation is more devotional, involving what? Your heart. Your heart, emotionally, right? It's in your heart. It's what you feel, okay? So study is analytical involving the head, while meditation is more devotional, centered in the heart. Okay? Study seeks to clarify, while meditation seeks to savor. What's the difference between clarifying and savoring? Well, clarifying is gaining insight and seeing clearly what it says to better understand, but savoring is to taste. It's to enjoy to take it in as for what it is, to take it in and let it just permeate you. It's like that first sip of coffee in the morning. It's like, mmm. You're not thinking about the process of roasting beans or harvesting beans from the mountains of Guatemala. You're just like, oh, this is so good. I love this. Study provides a framework within which meditation can, can thrive. Okay, so directionally, study has to be in place for meditation to be, a, to be fruitful, right? Study provides a framework within which meditation can thrive. Or, to say it another way, study builds a house and meditation brings that house to life. Here's one more. <laughs> there is a symbiotic relationship between study and meditation. They are like the two feet upon which all the other spiritual disciplines travel. Boom. That was a good one, right? Imagine that scripture study and meditation become the feet upon which all the practice of all the other spiritual disciplines actually travel. The life in Christ is about change and transformation. We desire to be changed and good news, God desires to change us. So, scripture study. Scripture study, it involves four steps. Or there are four practices or exercises in the study of Scripture that I, that I would like to share with you or point out for you today. And there's a bit of a process here with it, but there are four steps I'd like to point out. The first will be well-received, I'm sure. Repetition. How many love repetition? I notice a dearth of hands. Oh, I saw one. <laughs> Children love repetition, but as we become, as we are beginners in the study of the Word, we too are like children. We have to submit ourselves to a repetitious approach because repetition creates patterns in our mind and in our thinking and how we live. 
Repetition, it regularly channels the mind in a specific direction. Choosing daily to spend time in the Word. It channels our mind in a specific direction, thus ingraining habits of thought and leading to changed behavior. Sometimes we ask God to affect something in our life that we're unwilling to submit ourselves to. Because oftentimes we ask Him to do something that uh, will, will include anything but devoted study of Scripture. But study of Scripture requires repetition, regularly channeling the mind in a specific direction. So discipline yourself. Set aside a time every day to get into Scripture. Every day. Do it. Just create this habit of spending time in Scripture. And try, as best you can, to make it the same time and place every day, uh, and preferably in the morning. Now, is it wrong to do it in the evening? Is it wrong to do it on your lunch break? No, it's not. But I think the morning has certain advantages. Morning, as opposed to bedtime or lunchtime, is typically best for two reasons. Why? Well, first, you retain very little of what you read when you're very sleepy or tired. So by the time you get to the end of your day, you're tapering off, you're ready for bed, things are starting to send you to your pillow rather than sending you to Scripture. And so when you're fresh, as you're beginning your day, you're a little, if you're typically more sharp, more focused, more ready. Secondly, you probably do very little evil <laughs> and are tempted very little while you're sleeping. Okay, so you see the advantage here. Spending time in the Word, hearing from the Lord in the morning before you go out into the world prepares you a little bit better. Sometimes before you're going to bed, there's no more battles left to fight that day. And so the equipping of Scripture is often more valuable in the morning. Like I said, it's not wrong to do it at a different time of the day. I'm just encouraging you in the morning. If you've not established a pattern or a habit yet, if you've not practiced repetition in this, set aside time in the morning if at all possible. Encountering Christ in Scripture each morning will set the tone for your whole day. Encountering Christ in Scripture each morning, it will impact your whole day. So repetition, repetition. Secondly, concentration. Concentration, it's not just the bare repetition. It's actually as you're repeating this step, you're paying attention, you're concentrating, you're centering your mind and focusing your attention on the text, yes, but what is God saying in this text? Concentration. Find a Bible reading plan, okay? Find a plan, and there's several online. There's probably some in your Bible if you need one. Please ask. I can point you in the right direction here. Find a Bible reading plan to help structure and organize your reading. How many here have a Bible reading plan that you're following currently? Yeah, it just helps. It helps you be not have to think about, well, what am I going to read today? It tells you, okay, here's what you'll read today. There are many methods and plans available, and they all help prevent the burnout that comes from not having a plan or from the flip and point method. Does anyone know what the flip and point method is? Where it's like, Lord, lead me to where I should read in the Bible. Oh, Song of Solomon's. Uh, let's see, you know, it's like, well, where I read today? Just kind of this disjointed uh, flip and point approach. That's kind of tiresome, and it lacks coherency, continuity, so uh, it kind of prevents that. It will help you, it will assist you in tracking your progress if you have a plan. So, create a special time and a place for study, minimize distractions, and put it on your calendar. If you're just getting started in this and it is not a habit, here's something I would really point out as crucial. Put it on your calendar. Why is that? Well, it's because you and your friends will not argue with your calendar. 
If it's an appointment, people stop asking. It's set aside. So put time on your calendar that this is when I have an appointment with the Lord. No one will argue with your calendar. So make a time, make a place, and make a plan, okay? Repetition, concentration. Third, comprehension. Comprehension. Focuses. Comprehension focuses on understanding what we are reading. Now, this engages us in a deeper level of insight. And this deeper level of insight will ignite a new level of growth, a new appetite, and a new desire for freedom. It will lead to encouragement and discernment. And it will provide a basis for truer perception of the reality of God, of God's activity in the world around you. Okay, by seeking to comprehend, we find that Scripture corrects us. It corrects our excesses, our exaggerations, or our neglect of certain areas of the life in Christ. This brings us back to a centered, well-fleshed-out understanding of what it means to live in the way of Jesus. So find some helpful tools. Yes, you just need Scripture, but then there are other tools out there that can help you in your comprehension. Things like a study Bible. Does anyone here have a good study Bible that has notes, it has concordances, it has cross-references, it has all kinds of things in there that you can really go deeper with? Find a good study Bible. Find a commentary. Uh, Read the introduction in your Bible so you understand the author and the occasion and who it's being written to and why. Read those kind of things. Uh, Look at the notes in your Bible. Look at the maps at the back of the Bible. See where this is taking place. Check the concordance, these important words in the passage. Look where else it's used in Scripture and check that out to get a fuller understanding of how and why that word is being used. Uh, Is anyone familiar with Bible Gateway on the the computer, on the Internet, (laughs) on the World Wide Web? Surf on over to BibleGateway.com has free commentaries and encyclopedias and Bible dictionaries that you can utilize, and I encourage you to do so. This will help you become more familiar with Scripture. It will help you actually become a student of Scripture. As you read a text seeking to comprehend, ask good questions. Ask good questions. Uh, Ask about uh, its historical context. Ask ask about its uh, syntactical, all the the word usage, uh, the literary setting. Uh, Do word studies. Like if there's an important word in the passage that catches your attention, do a study on that word. What does it it mean? What did it mean in that first century context? What did it mean in that Old Testament context? Do word studies. Draw out the meaning of the text. Uh, I like what uh, Paul tells to Timothy in uh, in uh, chapter two or chapter in Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen. He says, "Work hard, Timothy, so you can present yourself to God and receive His approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, or who correctly explain and who correctly explains the word of truth. One who correctly explains the word of truth must first correctly understand the word of truth. So, being a student of the word." being able to draw out the meaning of a text using those principles of interpretation are important for us to become students of the word and to comprehend it. Being able to do so will help us pay attention. It will also inform the day's reading, but it will also help fix it more durably in our memory and work it into our thinking and our living.
Okay, as we become a student of the Word and we start to make this Word our own, we take it into our life and start to live according to it, we start to see it take root. Your insight will deepen. You will apply Scripture, the truth of Scripture more, but ultimately, you'll become more like Jesus Christ. And that's the aim. That's the goal, that we become more like Jesus. So, what do we have? First step was what? Repetition. Second was concentration. Third, comprehension. And fourth, Reflection. Reflection. Enable, reflection enables us to see things from God's perspective. It helps us understand not only Scripture, but it helps us understand ourselves in light of truth. Scripture uh, holds a mirror up to ourselves and like, oh, we see in that moment pretty clearly where we do align with God's will and where we don't. There's still work to be done. So it, uh, it, it helps us see things from God's perspective. As you reflect, find a word or a phrase or a verse to remember, and then consider that verse deeply all day long. Hide it in your heart and seek to commit it, commit it to memory. Find a verse. Maybe, maybe every day is a little much, but choose a weekly memory verse, a passage that you want to commit to memory, because there's a promise here. As you memorize Scripture, you don't, the promise isn't that you become a, a, a Bible know-it-all. It's actually that you will start to live a life that's more pleasing to God, as Psalm 119.11 says. Anyone remember this passage? I've hidden your word in my heart. Why? So that I might not sin against you. We hide the word in our heart, and it gives us a better understanding and awareness of how we can live a life that's actually pleasing to God, that we don't sin against Him. We become more aware of the pitfalls around us. We hide the word in our heart, and I want to encourage you in that. Make time for Scripture memorization. Capture a word, a, a phrase, or a verse for later recall and revisiting. The idea is rumination. Ruminate on it. Does anyone know what a ruminant is? Yeah, Ben, what is it? Okay, and what are they doing? Four stomachs. Yeah. They ruminate. They bring the subject back up. Yeah, they eat a bunch of grass or hay, and then it comes back up, and they sit there and chew on it. It's kind of a gross analogy. That's why I chose it. Or go to the zoo and look at the giraffes. Giraffes are ruminants too. And the cool part about it is you get to see it travel up and down their long neck. You see them swallow and it goes. <laughs> then they're like. <laughs> and it comes back up. It's like a big bulge coming up their throat. <laughs> it's so gross. But anyway, they're ruminating on it. They're chewing on it. They're spending time going over it. So ruminate upon it. Record your insights. Record your observations, your questions, and your reflections. This is where keeping a journal or a notepad nearby to write down your questions and thoughts and observations. Contextualize what you're learning and then share it. Share the conflicts. Share the struggles and the experiences that you're having in God's Word. Reflection is important. Why? Because it leads to transformation. This whole process leads us to be more able to engage what God wants to do in our life. The life in Christ is about change and transformation. We desire to be changed and God desires to change us. And God has given us the Bible, enlivened by the Holy Spirit, as a primary catalyst for that change, that change which we and God both desire for us. No spiritual discipline is more foundational than study and meditation of Scripture. I hope you guys believe this. I hope you guys are willing to try this out. Nothing is more crucial, and nothing can substitute for Scripture study and meditation. I think of the Apostle Paul while he was in a Roman prison. 
I think of the Apostle Paul, shortly before his death, he wrote a letter, uh, which was his last letter that we have in the New Testament, to his young protege, protege his student, uh, Timothy, in Ephesus, whom he had set up to lead the church there. He wrote a letter that we have as 2 Timothy, uh, in which Paul asked Timothy to send him some things, because Paul is not in a good place. He's struggling. He's suffering, and he needs Timothy, his trusted friend, to send him some things from Ephesus. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, we'll read verses 6 through 22. This is Paul writing here. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Verse 9, Timothy, please, come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, verse 13, when you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. What a passage. I mean, Paul's pretty low here. It's like, I'm in bad shape. I've been abandoned. I've been abused. I've been imprisoned. I know the end is near. I need help. Please come when you can. Send, send Mark. I, and then, bring, did you see that in verse 13? When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Trust. And then it says, also bring my books and especially my papers. Paul asks Timothy to bring his cloak and his scrolls and parchments. This is what it means if you have the New Living, says my books and especially my papers. Your, your translation might say, um, it might say um, scrolls and parchment. What do you think were on these scrolls and parchments? The, the, right, the Old Testament. Likely it was copies of the Old Testament scriptures upon which uh, uh, Paul was so well versed that he had spent years taking the, the power of the risen Christ, that, that new perspective, and going back and understanding the Torah and the other Old Testament writings again. And he's like, these are the things I need. The scrolls and the parchments that Paul requested almost certainly included Scripture. In the cold and misery of that prison, Paul asked for two things. He asked for his cloak in order to warm his body, and he asked for God's Word in order to warm his heart and his mind. I need to be surrounded by the warmth of a cloak, but I also need God's Word here to train my mind, to study, to meditate, so that my heart and my mind might be warmed. Now, who was Paul? Let's get some context here on the Apostle Paul. 
Paul had seen heaven. In 2 Corinthians 12, 1-6, he tells of a man who went to the third heaven and saw things that no one else has seen. And we know this is Paul talking about himself. He saw, he encountered the resurrected Christ in Acts chapter 9, verse 5. He had experienced the Holy Spirit's miraculous power. And he had been inspired by God to write much of the New Testament scriptures. This is Paul. Nevertheless, Paul studied and he meditated upon Scripture until the day he died. He desired this. He spent time. He carved out time in his day to do this thing. And this is Paul. This is Paul. One thing of this we can be sure. If Paul needed Scripture, we need Scripture. This is Paul. If he needed the Scriptures, we definitely need the Scriptures. And we, like Paul, should discipline ourselves to study and meditate upon them daily. If Paul needed it, we needed it. In the Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney, I've brought my copy of it here. Uh, Donald Whitney shares a story of a man from Kansas City who was badly injured uh, in an explosion. Uh, the story is called The Wonder of the Word of God. Let me share that with you real quick. We should all have the passion for reading God's Word of the man in this story. Evangelist Robert L. Sumner, in his book, The Wonder of the Word of God, tells of a man in Kansas City who was severely injured in an explosion. His face was badly disfigured, and he lost his eyesight as well as both hands. He had just become a Christian when the incident happened, and, and one of his greatest disappointments that, was that he could no longer read the Bible. Then he heard about a lady in England who read Braille with her lips. Hoping to do the same, he sent for some books of the Bible in Braille, but he discovered that the nerve endings in his lips had been too badly damaged to distinguish the characters. One day, as he brought one of the Braille pages to his lips, his tongue happened to touch a few of the raised characters, and he could feel them. Like a flash, he thought, I can read the Bible using my tongue. At the time Robert Sumner wrote, this, wrote his book, the man had read through the entire Bible four times. If he can do that, can you discipline yourself to read the Bible? Well... <laughs> I guess. Right? Dude read the Bible four times with his tongue. I'm not sure what the Bible looked like after that, but that's beside the point. But he read a Braille Bible four times through with his tongue. Holy shnikes. That makes my excuses, my reasons why I didn't get around to it, seem pretty lame. It does. I'm just being honest here. I've never had my hands blown off or my face disfigured so much that I've had to read the Bible with my, my tongue. Sweet, fancy. After reading this story, what excuses do we have? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm kicking a horse here, but I think it may, it's, good, it's good for us. If a blind man with no hands can read the Bible faithfully with his tongue, it makes me think that it is possible to discipline myself to study and meditate on Scripture every day, right? The life in Christ is about change and transformation. We desire to be changed, and God desires to change us. 
God has given us the Bible, enlivened by the Holy Spirit, as a primary catalyst for that change, the change which we and God both desire for us. Sadly, ours is a time when churches are filled with people who say they love Jesus, but are functionally illiterate when it comes to the Bible. True story. We have a lot of people that say they're following Jesus, but when it comes to the way that we actually get to know Jesus, they're functionally illiterate. Is our, our, is our church filled with those kind of people? Is our church filled with people who have full hearts and empty heads when it comes to the life in Christ? Are we, do we find ourselves motivated by what we feel instead of what we know to be true? What keeps us from really becoming students of Scripture? What excuses have kept us from regular, daily study and meditation upon God's Word? Is it busyness? I mean, I know I came down kind of hard there with the old Paul story and then the blown-up face guy story. But I think it's important for us to consider, what have our excuses been? Is it busyness? Are we not carving out time? Are we not prioritizing? Are we just, is it laziness? Is it intimidation? I mean, for some, honestly, this is an intimidating book. It's a lot to get your mind and your hands around like, oh, where do I even start? Well, God's surrounded you by friends that can help in this. We can grow together. We can share our stories and our encounters. Is it unfamiliarity? Is it something else? But here, hear me when I say this, though. God has given us everything we need. We have everything we need to grow in godliness today. Everything has been given to us. We're not waiting around. We're not like, well, I just don't have that yet. I don't, know. I don't know if I'm able to. Well, we are able to. It's been made available to us by God, and we can grow in godliness today. So do you want to faithfully practice the spiritual disciplines? Do you want to thrive in your life with Christ? Well, good news. We know where it begins. It starts here with scripture, study, and meditation. Become familiar with, fall in love with God's written word. That collection of writings that has been saved for us, that collection of writings, which is exactly what God intended us to have. Do you want to pursue Christian maturity, and do you want to bear real spiritual fruit? Well, guess what? It starts right here with scripture, study, and meditation. Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Do you want the work of the Holy Spirit to show up more evidently in your life? Well, it starts right here with scripture study and meditation. It cannot begin anywhere else. The life in Christ is about change and transformation. We desire to be changed and God desires to change us. And God has given us the Bible, enlivened by the Holy Spirit, as a primary catalyst for that change which we and God both desire for us. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you for the, the clarity that we find that all the things we desire to become, all the ways we desire to please you or to become like Jesus or to be a better Christian, whatever, it all starts here, simply here. It starts with a commitment to be present with you, to attend to your work in our life every day, to not jump over that which you've already said to us, waiting for some new word, but that we would always consistently start in that place that we already know about, that which you've given us to guide us and to grow us in your word. So 
trusting that the Holy Spirit is at work, that the Holy Spirit is making everything we read in Scripture uh, be alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we want to make ourselves available. We want to start practicing the repetition, the concentration, the comprehension, and the reflection required to help us become students of the Word and changed by your Word. So God, help us hide it in our heart. Not just so that we won't sin against you, but also that we might become more like Jesus. Him with whom you are well pleased. Lord, help us right now to make a commitment. Make a decision that every day there will be time, there will be an appointment on my calendar to spend time with you in your revealed written word. And God, may we be changed. May we be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. You are faithful. Your word tells us that he who began the good work in us is faithful to bring it to completion. So we rely upon that truth. We trust in that promise. Lord, be with each person here today. Help them resolve whatever excuses have been keeping them uh, from spending time with you. Intimidation, laziness, busyness, whatever it is, it's kept them from engaging in, in study of the Word. I pray that you would clear those things away. Give encouragement. Give a desire, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we uh, spend a bit more time in worship today, we are going to share in communion. So um, as we get ready to share, um, understand that this is a living picture. This is a picture. This is where Christ followers come to remember, to recollect the great salvation, the great sacrifice Jesus made for us. Through his life, yes. Through his death, yes. And through his resurrection, yes. This is a picture of his body that was broken for us and His blood that was shed for us, for the remission of sin. This reminds us of what Jesus accomplished that allows us to come back into relationship with God, to have our sins forgiven, and to be raised to new life. So that leads us to this understanding then. Who is this for then? It's for all those who can remember. Who can remember the time when Jesus saved you, when you turned from living life on your own terms, and you turned to Jesus and said, Be my Lord. Lead me in the way everlasting. Wash me clean of my sins. Make me new. I will follow after you for all the days of my life. If you've made that decision before, and this is something you can remember. This is something you can participate in. This could be your first day ever at Hope and Anchor Church. That's fine. Have you followed Jesus? Well, please share with us. Second thing I'll say is before you come and partake, spend some time in introspection. Step into the light of Christ and say, search me and know me. Let the Holy Spirit work in you and point out some areas of conviction uh, to bring some clarity, to bring some healing. But sit for a moment and prepare yourself so that when you come, you are able to be fully present with the Lord, celebrating, remembering, okay? When you're ready to be served, I'll ask you to come down the middle aisle, take the bread, take the cup, and then return to your seats down the side aisles. And then once everyone has been served, we'll partake together.